Welcome to the sixth episode of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. In this show, we will be putting Glasgow-based crime thriller writer M.R. McKenzie in the hot seat to face our seven questions. We will also be tackling a broad question sent into our Facebook page by one of our listeners about how you can best get your name out there as an author and our main talking point today this is going to be fascinating will be all about the numbers that matter breaking down the complicated world of the digits we need to deal with as independent authors however we shall begin as we usually do robert by discussing the week that was so my friend how have the last seven days been for you they have been professionally wonderful personally awesome. Turmoil. Turmoil, oh, David. Oh, no. She's got something to do with the mother-in-law. No, no, no. Mother-in-law's no. been fine. She's fine. It has all got to do with a washing machine. Um, um, I put a post up on my personal Facebook group, and I think I popped it on Twitter as well. Um, and I, I, it was just like a checklist, and it was like, buy a home, check. Get married, check. Have a kid, check. Start your own business, check. These are all supposed to be the most stressful things you can do in life. Yes. However, none of them compare with trying to get your washing machine repaired because I'm not going to lie to you, mate. It's been so stressful. I think I've probably spent about three to four hours of my life on the phone being passed back and forth (laughs) to the point that I just wanted to smash my head on a rock. So taking that aside. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a very 1990s being on the phone to somebody. Yeah, it's not been fine. So anyway, it just it's Black Friday, just get a new one. Um, <laughs> uh, writing wise, uh, professional wise, it's been good. I've got my edits back. Um, got, oh, um, nice. I've had a few, so I've I've gone through them, and I've sent out a a uh, advanced copy to my brain trust, my my beta readers. Great. I've already had a few of them come back, read it in a day. Um, which is always always amazing but it's always nice when you've it's a wonderful feeling like I don't ever doubt myself that if I put a new book out it's going to be well received because if if I didn't think it'd be well received I wouldn't put it out but it's always quite nice in the lead up before it launches and in conjunction with you know being able to see your pre-orders on on the kindle reporting dashboard when you start getting people saying like this is your best one yet yeah. I don't know how you do it. And that's 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 a really nice feeling. It's a nice little boost, yeah. um, which the, we all need better, from time to time. The beta readers, <clears throat> uh, apart from being a great assistance in terms of they might catch a mistake that went unnoticed by your proofreaders or your editors, um, it's great for that little confident boost as well, isn't it? Just before you go to launch, there's nothing better than hearing those words or, or reading those words from a beta reader that says, best one yet yeah so it's it's been good so um just going through a very very thorough proof um which hopefully should be done this week and there there is a chance i could bring my my launch forward i don't know if i will but i could um Mm -hmm. 
but we'll see. But yeah, so that's that's really what's been taking up my life. What about you? What's been going on in the wonderful world of David B. Lyons? Well, it's actually a little similar to you. It's in, it's interesting because I um, I'm a week behind you, so which makes sense because you're launching on December second, and I'm launching on December ninth by coincidence. Um, so my book has just gone off to the editor, whereas yours has just come back. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to be with the editor for maybe a week or two. Sometimes she gets it back to me in a week. Sometimes it's it, she needs a couple of weeks with it. But um, I, I'm at that stage now where I'm, while the book is with the editor, I'm looking at marketing, you know, templates and different bits of copy I could use and different images I could use to market this book. But it's different for me this time. <clears throat> I've spent the last week, Sort of, sort of putting together images and advertising that would sell the trilogy as a whole rather mm. than each individual book because I normally just, because I don't write in series, although I write in trilogies that are themed together and boxed together, uh, I can normally market any book at any time, but this trilogy is in chronological order. So I'm really just advertising the first book rather than each individual book and hoping the read through comes true. But of course, if there's any man in this world that, that knows all about that, that's you, Robert. And in fact, I think it, it's something we're, we're going to go heavy into, isn't it? That advertising to the first book and seeing um, people read through from there. We're going to go deep into that as our main talking point today. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are. And actually, I don't think I really appreciated that before about how like simple my my process of it is is like you're talking about launching a book in two three weeks time yeah and i'm thinking yeah, about doing it a week so. before you and you're you're saying things like oh i'm um you know yeah. putting together all this advertising stuff and and figuring out a, a way of marketing it yeah i don't do any of that because that's right i i just i send it out on my social media channels and my mailing list but I'm still only advertising to the first book. So it makes no sense for me to put ads out to people saying, oh, look, look at book nine in this series because yeah. I'm, they're not going to buy book nine. Um, so, yeah, so while you're in the lead up still going like, oh, like I need to pull together the marketing stuff. I've just yeah. been I've just been writing the next one. Um, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, so you're, you're moving on, yeah. I am, which I have to be honest with you, because I got my edits back, I didn't hit my 35,000 word Oh yeah, target. I got. I'm at thirty one thousand, so I'm not far off it. But I'm. It oh nice yeah, that's good going. But I guess yeah, I guess it's just I didn't appreciate that side of your launch process. Yeah, that you have to whilst kind of you're really uh, getting to the guts of it with your editing. Yeah, um, and you're going for that, and then you've got a small window of getting all your marketing stuff ready. I just I didn't appreciate it. So well done you. Yeah, it, it makes sense. You're continuously marketing to book one, so you can mm. you can sort of get on with the next book. Now you're writing book ten, and um, before even book nine has come out. So it's it's interesting that we take different approaches. But I guess we have to take different approaches because we write in a different way. Robert writes in series, and I write standalones. But um, and we do we do we do tackle it a different way, and I think that's what we're going to get into now in the talking point because today we're going to discuss the numbers that matter. So the numbers that 
matter now as i said we, we take different approaches to this rob and i i take a very lazy approach and <laughs> robert takes a very in-depth approach and trust me um stick around for this discussion because robert is about to get under the hood and surprise you with uh, some fascinating figures he he shared some of these with me last night and it, it truly opened my eyes but the numbers that matter right so i mean this is this is how lazy i am robert right the Go numbers ahead, that matter for me, there's only three numbers that matter. Go for it. They are my spend mm-hmm. on marketing, my turnover mm-hmm. that comes in um, as a result of selling my books, and then the most important one, the difference between those two, which is my profit. Yes. So I really just look at, oh, I'm spending £140 on advertising today. Oh, I've made back two hundred and ninety pounds turnover. Oh, I've made one hundred and fifty pound profit today. It, my 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 maths and my accounts are that basic. And I mean, probably at the end of the day, all the numbers you're going to talk about lead to these numbers. But whereas I have a very lazy, I'll say again, approach to this. You like to, to really get under the hood, don't you, of the numbers and, and, and have a breakdown to make sure that all you're doing is for the benefit of your in the order business. Yeah, it's essentially. I mean, that's a really nice, eloquent way of calling me a nerd. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I actually, I agree with you there, actually. The, the three main numbers that matter are your your spend, your turnover and the profit between because yes. that's essentially the three things that your your indie author business is gonna live and die on isn't it really yeah um so but what say- you shared with, what you shared with me last night shows that you can you can increase that third one that profit if you were a bit more intricate yes with, with the numbers that you can deal with as your business so um yeah i would like you to surprise our listeners in the same in the same manner you surprised me last night with this nerdiness with the nerdiness um the only the only other caveat i would put in when we're talking about the spend turnover and profit is Mm -hmm. if you're looking at it that holistically spend should also include editing costs and um any subscriptions you have so like i pay uh, 10 pound a month for my mailing list so yeah those would all get totted in. So when I have my, which you've seen my, my all singing and dancing spreadsheet now, David, um, yeah. I have my costs versus profit tracking and stuff like that. All of those things are included. So anything that is remotely spent to keep my, my business running and we will reemphasize it, David, this is a business. Yes. As, as nice as it is to be a writer, it is still a business. Absolutely. They all go in the spend column. And then everything that it earns, everything I earn, so whether that's um, from Amazon for my sales, my page reads, or from Audible from my audiobooks, they all go into my turnover. And then the, the, the subtraction of spend turnover is my profit. Um, Brilliant, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, they're the main ones. So if we go under the, the hood of the car, let's, let's be American about it. Let's go under the hood. <laughs> um we have American listeners. I showed you that as well. Um, so yes. big shout out to our, our, our listeners across the pond. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's the last of my accents. My accents are terrible. You have a glorious accent. We'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> so there's 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 some other numbers that you should probably 
I'd say probably you should definitely get to grips with. Um, and we will give a really good example of why at the end of it. So some of these things are your read through, um, which we've already spoke about today, which is the likelihood of someone going from your first book to your next book. So that's yeah. the, the chances of that are greatly increased if you write in a in an ongoing series like I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have a little tactic for that where I have a little epilogue at the end of all my books, which I basically use as, you know how Marvel have a pre, in the middle of their credits, they have a little teaser that everyone talks about. The they usually talk about more than the films. Yes. I usually put a, in my epilogue, I essentially use that for that oh, reason. Yeah. So I tee up what's potentially going to be happening in the next book. It's a that. sales hook, a big sales yeah. hook. Yeah. And that was done not just for like, oh, a new book's out and people have read the whole series that they'll go, oh, I can't wait for however many months. It was also done strategically by me. And we, we've discussed, I came at this whole thing very strategically. Um, yeah. Well, so if someone comes to my series at book one and I've got five books in the series, I want to give them things to say, right, I'm going to buy that next one immediately. Yeah. Um, So your read through is working out what's the percentage of people who go from that book to the next one. Um, And it's probably a little bit more difficult for you, David. Uh, I might be chatting rubbish there because you don't know specifically that someone goes from, say, midday to Betsy Blake, because yeah. although they're that's the order you wrote them, mm-hmm. that's not the order that people should read them. If that makes makes sense, yeah, so they're all standalones. Plus, I'm advertising sort of any book at any one time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm I can I can't tell that this book was read because the previous one was read. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, my, my figures are really diluted in that regard. But uh, with regards read through, I just I don't know. Essentially, mm. I do know I have um, a nice reader base um, of a few thousand that would read anything I, I put out there, which is great. But I don't know that if I just sell midday, what percentage is going to read through the rest of my books? I haven't been able to calculate that because I don't have the lovely spreadsheets that Robert <laughs> Enright has. Um, but but um, one of the ways I did also, um, I was able to almost doubled down on the theory that I was on the right path with it was beginning of 2021 was I shut off all my marketing because I was having all the covers redone. I was having, I've given my books a facelift in the event of eventually going full time. Um, So when I was doing that, I didn't want to push people to a book that looked different from the rest of them. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I did is I shut them off for about three months while I just got them all done. So whilst my, my sales took a dip because, again, you have to point people in the direction of your book, whatever you're advertising to. So I wasn't pushing people to the first book, but I was still making, I was still getting daily sales, still making money every day through yeah. books two, three. I think I had five books at the time, three, four, and five. They were selling every day, which Great. to me just said, that's read through because I'm doing yeah. no marketing and other books. So working that out is pretty easy. Um, it's just uh, dividing your um, your sales of your second book by the sales of the first book. 
yeah we'll give you a percentage essentially a simple math there yeah. it's a very simple one uh, you could do it in excel and you can even change that to a percentage thing so i looked at mine and i've got from book one to book two it's about 54 percent which i expect to be lower than the rest because book one is the one that i get all the promotions for like book bub and things so i'll sell tons more book one than i will the other books yeah but then which I, I think I showed you, David, after that, it becomes very like 75% of sales. I've had 75% number of sales on book three as I did on book two and almost yeah. concurrently onwards that way. So when I averaged it out, it, it's almost like a percentage of like 78% or something along those lines, which was that's how likely someone is to read through all of my books, which is pretty high. And that's, that's pretty a high Ill. number. Something you can hang your hat on, I think, to say, right, that's that's in the right direction. It's working. But that's gold us for you to have that information. Yeah. Um, Just before we get under the hood, we're going to go into how Rob knows this and and how we can figure it out. Um, And he's got a golden golden nugget of information, particularly for you guys who are trying to advertise one book and you're realizing, oh, I'm spending such and such on marketing and my sales of that book aren't computing and robert's about to help you with that and before that when we're talking about the numbers that matter i think we should talk about price right because Mm -hmm. there's so many independent publishing arms and and traditional publishing companies who will market books at 99p or price books at 99p and therefore there's nobody making any profit from that right and that the author certainly isn't making any profit from that so don't be afraid to price your books uh, at the va- uh, at a decent value where you mm-hmm. can make money from them. There's no this whole idea of 99p makes sense if you're trying to lead somebody in. So a first book in a series, you might give you might use it as a loss leader. Well, well, my my first book in my series, The Night Shift, is half the price of every other book in the series. Right, makes sense. Yes. But but that's that's a conscious decision by me, and it's the same with my first box set. It's a couple of quid less than the other box sets, so yeah. it's still a value for money. Um, and I've done tests before where I've raised the price of that, and I have a little bit of a drop off in in how regularly I sell the night shift. Um, but obviously, I make a little bit more money. However, when we'll go into the example of more, I'd rather get more sales from the night shift yeah. than more money from the night shift purely because of what's to follow. Because you know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, can you talk us through that then? Yeah, of course. So um, I will echo what you said there. That I don't even sell my novellas for 99p. Yeah, probably get the price I, right, guys. And, and when you're an independent author and you're in control – we talk about it all the time, David. We control. That's what we we're all about. The control. Yeah. It, it, stick it, stick a stick your price up by a stick it up by a quid, and test it for a week. And if if your sales don't dip, you just think, oh god, I've left all that money on the table for how yes. long? And then, which is what I've done. I've tried them all. I've tried ninety nine, one ninety nine, two ninety nine, mm-hmm. three ninety nine, four ninety nine, five ninety nine, and I found the price that I is most profitable for me. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm... think people should do that. The only time my books ever go to 99p or 99 cents is when I have a book bub deal. That's, that's how yeah, I look at it. Yeah, if you get a deal. Yeah, because you can sense, still get yeah. the 70% royalty because you can do it as a Kindle countdown deal. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so 
uh, to go on to, so how, how we get to the, the theory that I'd rather have more sales from the night shift than less sales at a higher price is because we go back to the read through, but also there's a couple of other numbers that um, really matter. If we're looking under the bonnet of this, this car of your profit and your sale, yeah. your spend and your turnover. So there's yeah. your return on investment, which is basically the percentage Ideal in percentages. I was a data analyst for years. So, um, yeah, let's deal in percentages. It makes yeah, sense. Percentage. Yeah. You, how much percent you're getting back from what you're spending. So like David said there, if he spends £140 a day and you get 100 and you're making £290 a day, yeah, that's over 100% return on investment because you're getting yeah. back your 140 you're getting back plus... plus another 150 so that's over 100 percent of what you spend that's essentially yeah. return on investment so you you, you yeah. want that always to be well a positive number and you're probably always going to want to get that i'd say in the, into the three digits yeah three digits and you're comfortable with where you're where you're sat um the other one is you'll see it probably banded a lot in facebook groups um is uh, cpc which is cost per click so, David, you're the Facebook whiz kid, I'd say, out of the two of us. Do you want to give us a thing of what cost per click is? Yeah, well, cost per click is how much it's going to cost you as the marketer um, to have somebody click on your ad and, and take you to the Amazon page or the sales page that your, your advertisement is leading them to. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of learned this through my former publisher and then I did a course on it and all seem to make sense it sounds fantastic so some ads i run and, and i get like seven and eight p clicks which sounds wow. amazing <laughs> there are other advertisements that i run that i'll it would probably be about a 28p click hmm. now funny enough they can bring in more profit than the 7p clicks because an awful lot of my 7p clicks are sort of a bit shock value that the 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 image is so striking on facebook that people feel they need to click it when they click into it, they realize, oh, this is a book about such and such. It's it's not necessarily for me, and then come out of it. Whereas the 28p clicks tend to be a, a bit more warmer leads because the advertising is already informing you it's a book. Do you know what I mean? And, yes. and, and when you click in, you're not getting any shock value. You're getting what you saw on the ad. So again, with Facebook ads, it's all about test, test, test. So if you're seeing CPCs, which is cost per clicks, are really low, that's a good thing. But if they're quite high and still bringing you in profit, it, it's not the end of the world. It's it's it, Again, it comes back to the ROI, the return on investment that Robert's mm -hmm. talking about is if you're pumping money in and it's making you more money back, that's profitable, that's gold dust, that's something you need to be um, you know, building upon. But yeah. cost per click is how much it costs any person to click into your ad to take them to the sales page. Yeah. And like I said, any any time you get one that is working, you start turning that up. That's, yes, and that Dial is that, that is basically the blueprint of. I know it's definitely the blueprint of how I got to get become a full time author was through this. I believe so. Same with you, David. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so now we know ROI is return on investment, CPC, cost per click and read through, which I don't abbreviate as RT. We'll just call that read through. <laughs> so I did, I just did a little look through on last month on October. 
So I had a look at what I spent on Facebook ads and what came back. So, so if we have a look at it, I made 300, I had 369 sales of the night shift last month. It's not, you know, it's not stratospheric. I don't think it's out of, you know, that's just over 10 a day. Yes, yeah, twelve a day, and at one ninety nine, is that right? Yeah, one ninety nine. So I get, I make so, about one thirty nine, around the one pound thirty nine per sale. Yes, so it's worth remembering that when when it comes to this. Um, it's also worth remembering this doesn't include Kindle Unlimited page reads because there's no way of tracking that through these yeah. ads, sadly. Um, however, if you're selling books and you're visible your book goes higher up the ranks. My books are usually quite high up in the rankings. I get quite a lot of page reads. Yeah. However, 369 sales. I then looked at how many, so I've got ads running purely to the night shift. I have different ones, different countries, different images. So in total, I had 9,279 clicks. Oh, all through October. Through October, which worked out that, I needed 25 clicks to make one sale because right. I divided that 9,279 by 369 came to it rounded yeah. up to 25, which, and then I looked at how much cost per click over the month for each ad was. And like you, I've got some that are 26 P per click, 27 yeah. P, but I've also got one that's 35 P. So the average out at 30 P per click. So okay, interesting. In total, to get one sale of my book, I was spending seven pound around seven pound fifty. Right. So let me get this right. To, to get one sale of a book, it's costing you seven pounds fifty. And In you October, made, did, yeah. And you're making about one pound thirty profit every sale. Yes. So if I take the sale off, I'm yeah. down six pounds fifteen for every sale of the night shift. If right, you so this is what it, blew my mind. Yeah. This is what blew my mind. We were talking about this with Robert last night. Every sale you make of book number one of your series, you lose £6-ish. If you look at it, just very through that lens of how much are you spending on the ads, and your average spend is this, and this is how many yeah. sales of just that book you're making, and this is the profit you're getting back. Every right. sale I made of the night shift cost me £6.15p. Right. Fascinating, right? Because, and i tell you why this is fascinating. Because how many times have we seen authors uh, groaning and moaning in, in, in the author communities and different groups on Facebook who are trying to sell their book and they realize, oh, I'm not making any profit. Right? Yeah. yeah. That is because they only have one or two books out, right? Yes. and that's... So tell us how you turn this deficit of £6 into mass profit well what it looks like it looks like i'm hemorrhaging money right and i've made a terrible yes. decision to go full time last yeah, month you look really stupid right now <laughs> <laughs> i always look stupid however <laughs> based on the thing i spoke earlier about that i've worked out the percentage of people who go from book to book to book to book i did yeah. it for last month as well now i don't have the link amazon don't give me the spreadsheet that says David bought book one on this date. He then bought book two on this date. If they gave me that, we'd run with it and we'd be great. I'm just looking at the cold numbers I have that they've given me of sales. And I can see that the read through from the first book to the next book 
just like it is overall, was around 50%. So I had 180 sales of The Takers, the second book, in October. I had no marketing towards it. Yeah, so zero spend on book two. So everything that comes in is profit now. Yes, but then I've got, so that was 50, so that was about 180 sales. I then have an 88% read-through to book three. book number three, nice. And then it stays on average throughout the month for the rest of the books. Now, remember, I got eight books out at about 80%. So 80% of the people who read book four would read book five, 80% of the people. So it goes, the number goes down. But yeah. it stays pretty high. And then yes. what that means is when I look at my spend, that's £6. So I'm spending £7.50. I take the 130 off. I'm spending £6.15 just for one sale. Yeah. I know that that one sale is potentially worth around 20 quid because if you, if you bought all of my books, that yeah. would be how much profit I would make. If I then take that um, 6 yeah, per, per one sale. Per one sale, yeah. Yeah, the likelihood is around the 80% mark that people, 78% mark, that people are going to go through the series. That's worth £20 then. So if I take off that, well, it's like £19.50-ish. So yeah, then it's called a 20. If, yeah, let's call it 20 just for easiest. <laughs> My lazy brain, yeah. So then if you take off that £6 that I'm paying for a sale, I make a, yeah. I make a profit of about 14, 14 pounds nearly 14 pounds so the question you then ask is would you spend six pound to make 14 pounds profit yes which which is a no-brainer but how many times do we see authors complaining that they're spending six pound on ads and not getting the money back they just see it as the loss they're not thinking about the keyword that you're bringing here today which is read strip and that's it. And it's understanding this. So I didn't start, I, I've been doing this kind of analysis. And this is people say, I don't like doing this. Like you don't do it. Yeah, I don't do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't have been able to reassuringly turn to my wife and say, I can do this for a living now. Look yeah. at this. Without, without that. Without yeah. this. And I think the overriding thing to say is the return on investment that I have is 114%. Huge. So, right. I don't just spend six pounds a day. Yeah. So, I you know, I, I spend like a hundred pounds a day. Yeah. A little bit and you more. One hundred and fourteen percent on that every day. Yeah. Because if I look over the month, my ad spend was just on Facebook was less than three grand. If I add in Amazon ads, um, which is a different thing, it's around three grand. But in October, yeah. what I got from sales was about, I take audiobooks, I have about seven and a half. Yeah, fantastic. So, but that was all because I can look at this and say, well, I'm logically going to spend this money because I know logically I'm, I'm comfortable enough that it's going to go, because I know the likelihood that someone's going to read through my series. So if I take the loss out of that, of the, yeah. the, the night shift loss, so I take um, it, it, Night Shift made about a grand that month, even though I spent mm. about three. Profit yeah. from my read-through was about four and a half grand. And I didn't do any marketing yeah. to it. 
any marketing. Any marketing. So yeah, it's all just towards book one. So book one, the night shift, is it's almost like a lost leader in a way because all your marketing goes on top of that. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to lose money on it, but you then you are now aware because of the the numbers, the spreadsheets you keep, that the profit will all come like a big wave because whoever reads book one, eight, nearly 80% of them are going to go to book two, to book three, to book four, to book five, and so on. So every book you write from now on, Robert is free profit after i cover the cost of it yeah, after you cover the cost of it yeah so your um, market your book cover and your editing and this is why i would implore people that don't have to get too crazy like i showed david my one with all my graphs and stuff yeah but you should track how many at least how many books you're selling how many page reads you're getting Per and how many how much royalties it's making you per month for each book, and then you should have a total of all time because you can work out these numbers. So I I worked out my page reads read through very loose calculation, but I've got I know how many total pages each book's had read since they've been released, and that's even higher than my sales that it looks like people who are reading it in KU, Kindle Unlimited, are likely to then go on and read the next ones. So if I was to say to anyone is I would say definitely start tracking those if you're not. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know you don't. I, I would recommend writing in a series because it makes this type of calculations easier. Yeah. Um, but knowing... Knowing that percentage in my head gives me the comfort, you know, when I get slapped with a Facebook ads bill, yeah, it gives me a level of comfort to know, you know, this isn't me just throwing money at something because I've been told Facebook ads should be the way to go. It's very yeah. calculated. Okay, I know spending this is likely to make this. And I would, you know, preface that with only spend what you can afford or you're willing to spend. But if you're, you know, got one book and you're throwing a hundred pounds a day at it and you're wondering why it's not selling. Yeah. You have to just take a step back and kind of look at that, that bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're great at looking at the bigger picture. It's, it, it, it is, it, 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 I mean, you don't have to write in series. It's definitely no. beneficial because you can, you can, you can, you're you're essentially just selling one product which leads on to people buying another product i mean i guess the benefit i have as a standalone writer means i can advertise any book at any stage and i'm not sort of relying on on one book to sell the rest of it but um having listened to a lot of independent authors i i do think if you're starting out the the consensus Maybe to write in series because it makes an awful lot of sense giving all you've just shared with over the last 15 minutes or so. Yeah, I, I, I'd say, um, you know, you've that was got... calculated by you though, right? You knew that's what you were going to do. Well, I'd say I've been like an analyst for years, so I kind of look at a lot of stuff. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love, I much prefer the creative side of yeah. writing books and getting, so I, you know, I write crazy action scenes that I get told off by my editor that maybe they're a little yeah. bit too over the top, but. Yeah, if I I know for a fact, you know, I worked in some big businesses doing data and, and um, analytics. That if you don't, if you're not on top of this stuff, you can't. Yeah, you can't make 
logical financial decisions. Sounds really yeah. this, is the, this is the most boring I've ever sounded, but I'd say it's, but yeah, now it makes sense. It's 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 something to do, and obviously we've we've covered it um, over the last was it fifteen twenty minutes or so. Uh, might might have felt longer for some people, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say if there's anything on this discussion that hasn't fully made sense, um, I am happy to answer any questions in our Facebook group um, and walk people through it if they need to. Because I think yeah. I, I, I truly believe if I didn't learn this, and I might have had a leg up because I did it professionally before, but if I didn't learn this, get under the bonnet like we said we did. We yeah. didn't just look, you know, you're looking at those big three numbers that, yeah. that you spoke about. You spend, you turn over your profit. If I didn't get under the bonnet of that, learn all this, there's no way, in my opinion, I'd be a full-time author and doing this podcast with you now. Yeah. But if, if you didn't get under the bonnet, Rob, and, and you looked at it more black and white like I do, what you would have saw was, oh, my advertising is losing me six pounds per, for every sale. And you'd have turned those ads off. But really, though... <laughs> They're bringing you in fourteen pounds profit. Yeah, I didn't. Sale, every one sale. I didn't so start. It, it, I didn't start with a hundred pound ad. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I saved the money out of my own pocket to do a ten pound ad a day for two months because I know Kindle pays sixty days in lieu. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me see what I can do over those two months. I can cover. I can cover myself for those two months. And like I said, because I could work out and see, understand these numbers. In my head, I was thinking like, right, I need to turn these up. When that Amazon money comes in, I'm going to start raising these ads, and that's exactly what I did for about two yeah. years. Yeah, it was a yeah. long. It was a long game. It was a long. It was game. a long game for you. Yeah, it's yeah, it is interesting. It, it's it's great. It's great advice for the authors who are getting frustrated that their ads aren't immediately turning profit it, it, because it does need to be a long game. I'm an anomaly in that in sense. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it the way I did it, which was I released my second book and said to myself, I'm going full time now mm. without without seeing anything. I really took um, a chance. Uh, now, I had some capital. So I had a few grand that I thought, right, I'm going to pump this few grand in because I'd seen that a hundred pound ad would bring you back 200 pounds. So, you know, once I start pumping thousands in and start seeing multiple yeah. thousands come back, I thought, right, oh, well, I'm at a full time. So I started playing a big game very early on, but I was lucky because I had the capital in my pocket. Mm. But for those who don't, and they're testing out £10 ads and they think, oh, I'm only making two sales for my £10 ads. That's only been bringing me in £4.20, so I'm losing nearly £6. Chill out. Remember the the key things Robert has just talked about. Read through is one, and the other is KU. And... KU sounds a bit flimsy, but the truth is, me and Robert have shared this on the podcast before, 40% of my income is from KU, that's page reads. And I think, Rob, yours is even more. Is yours like 48% or something is KU, your income? Did, did you say to Over the year, it's about 42%. But last month, 42, it was so we're similar. this month, it's, it's over 50%. Ah, okay, Currently. interesting. Yeah. So do bear everything in mind. The, the, the more you can get under the hood or the bonnet, uh, depending on where you're listening from, <laughs> like Robert has, the more you will start to realize, oh, this is how I can make profit and this is why I can make profit. Right, David, we've uh, 
we've tackled the numbers today. Um, hopefully our listeners are still with us. Um, so what we're <laughs> going to do is I'm going to dip my hand into the mailbag. Um, yes. And actually, we actually have a very good question this week um, from our listener, uh, Jilly Grundy, sweet Jilly Grundy, who has mm-hmm. sent the following question in. Um, Hi, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on the best method for getting your name out there and increasing sales. Which advertising platforms you recommend and why, whether you feel email newsletter services are better, like building your own emailing list or making connections with other authors and doing swaps. So um, she put a a few things out that obviously she's heard about, uh, different methods. But I guess the overarching question is, is what what would be your piece of advice for getting your name out there and getting people to see your books? Um, this is going to be a boring answer, Jilly, I'm afraid, but the same way any business gets their name out there, um, marketing is is pretty key. And I know you may seem a bit overwhelmed because you've mentioned advertising platforms and e- email newsletters and making connections with other authors. That, yeah, there's a lot of sort of, strings to the bowls that we can play in this game but um the best thing to do if you've written a couple of books and you don't see you don't feel as if you know you're you're getting much traction first marketing is key right but there's only point in marketing to something that is attractive so your branding is probably key from the outset so you know have a professional author profile pick on your Amazon sales page or your website or any of your social media and make sure all your book covers look as if they're thoroughly professional. That means yep. when you do market and somebody clicks on that, um, you know, they're, they're seeing a book that they may want to read. Now I know that this sounds like very, very day one of indie school um, advice and it, it is, but marketing, the more people you can, more eyeballs you can get on your book covers or on your sales page, simply the more you're going to sell. Um, and you can, you can market in numerous ways. It's just paid advertising, which is, I guess, the most beneficial, but also the, the scariest for an awful lot of authors like you, Jilly, where you you really don't want to, you know, suffer the costs of, of advertising without, you know, knowing that, you're going to get money back, but you're not going to know that until you spend. Okay. So this is how you make your most money is through paid advertising. It's how me and Robert have, have become full time at this. Mm -hmm. So, um, my answer is boring for that, but I definitely believe in paying to at least see how many people are attracted to your book. It's even worth the investment if you do lose money, but it's worth the investment to see what is and what isn't working robert please tell me you have a better answer <laughs> than i've just given. i think the bit you've actually just ended on there is really important is learning why if you are paying on marketing and you know, we'll stick this as a, a another proper in-depth discussion of being able to understand why your ads aren't working like what you should be looking for because although yeah. you spend the money and you might not make the money back you do gain information um yeah that can really help you um it's also worth noting to double down on what you were saying is just because you put a book out say on amazon yeah they they have no responsibility to put that in front of people yeah that's not their job their job is to give you the platform to to do it 
Um, yeah. But as far as they're concerned, they've got millions of books on there. A lot of them are selling a lot. So if you add one on there, they're, they're not going to stick it magically in their algorithm and go, oh, this is something you, you might like. If you can yeah. prove to them this book, my books sell, they'll start sending stuff your way. So I would say that the, the main one I will say is the best piece of marketing you'll probably ever be able to do is write another book. Um, Great to, advice, yes. To, to, to go, obviously, you know, I've just spoken in depth on today's podcast about the importance of read-through, but not even just from the read-through perspective. You could do it like David does and write in um, standalone books. But if you look at David's author page or his website, they all look like top-notch. All the covers are, are spot on. All the blurbs are, you know, perfect. They're all presented. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell between that and something published by like penguin in my opinion but the reason why it's so important to have more books is a lot of the time a lot of people actually end up following authors um more than say a book they become loyal to the author and if you're starting to say use the marketing david saying spending money marketing people to your books if they look and see that actually you've got 10 novels out that all look great and have all got good reviews yeah, and that takes time to build that up. I appreciate that. But yeah. but that means people can see you're not like a one and done author. Like you're a prolific author that people are reading and that does make a difference. And if you look at your own shopping habits and you look at something, say you're interested in something, so it might not even be a book. But if you're looking to, like me, if you're looking to buy a washing machine and you see, see two up there, but one of them looks like it's a cheap knockoff from... Uh, yeah china from from a warehouse in china or one of them is a top quality loads of reviews lots of social proof (laughs) and the company also offers loads and loads of other options i'm probably going to go with them because it seems more legitimate so absolutely i would say if you want to get your name out there keep writing books keep writing books and the more books in your library the more scope you have to open up to people. Yeah. And, and make those books as professional as you can, um, particularly around the aesthetic. So they have to look, as Robert mentioned there, as if they could have come from Penguin Random House. Um, so, Jill, yeah, Julie, I hope we've sort of helped you with that. You, you are part of our Facebook group, so do uh, continue to pose questions to us. We'd be, we'd be happy, myself and Robert, to continue that discussion with you in more detail. Anybody who has a mailbag question for us, the best way to reach out to us is on our Facebook group, Two in the Authors. Two in the Authors. Which leads us on to our seven questions. We have the fantastic crime writer with us today, M or Mackenzie, otherwise known as Michael. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your book? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, hi, David and Robert. Really happy to be here. Hi, Michael. Um, Thank you. I I think probably the best way to describe my books is they kind of fall into the niche that's popularly known as tartan noir, even though that's a kind of slightly contentious <laughs> term. Basically, nice. I write um, kind of fairly kind of gritty, fairly, um, you know, you know, kind of moody, ominous um, crime novels, 
usually set in Glasgow, although the last one was actually set in Edinburgh. So I'm, you know, I'm diversifying. Ah. Um, <laughs> my, um, yeah, my my first uh, novel, um, which introduced the the protagonist of my, you know, my, my kind of main series, Anna Scavellini, who's a, a criminology lecturer, t- sort of turned. Um, you know, kind of reluctant amateur sleuth. Uh, it was called In the Silence. Uh, that came out in 2018 and ended up being shortlisted for the um, the Bloody Scotland Debut Prize and also longlisted oh, wow. for the McIlvanny Prize that year. Didn't win either of them, but it was still, you know, Big oh, honour. An absolute honour. Yeah. Um, big accolade, and I've dined out on it ever since. It's on the front <laughs> of all my books. Um, so I've, you know, since then I've written um, two more novels in the Anna Scavellini series, working on a fourth at the moment, and I've also published two standalones, um, a kind of um, a whodunit called The Library Murders, and most recently a psychological thriller called Bury Your Secrets, which is about um, three women who go up north um, to the north of Scotland for a holiday weekend and return on Monday having buried a body in the woods. Oh, wow. Ah, wow. Well, I, I haven't um, come across that book yet, but I have read the rest of MR's books or Michael's books. And you said a great word there, mood, the atmosphere, the, the Glasgow you paint on, the mystery and the suspense. Uh, fantastic books, a great writer. Uh, M.R. McKenzie, and if you are interested in what he has said so far about his mystery suspense crime thrillers, uh, Into the Silence is, is the first book of, in the Anna Scavellini series to begin with. Michael, are you ready to face our seven questions? Yeah, I am indeed. Are we ready? Go for it. Robert, take it away, Rob. Okay, question number one. Are you a full-time author? I am not. Um, I kind of go back and forth on whether I would like to be a full-time author. I do have a day job that I enjoy a great deal and that, you know, kind of brings me a lot of kind of satisfactions in a field that, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a field that is near and dear to my heart. I work as a, a disc producer for Arrow Films, which is a um, distributor of um uh, kind of cult films on on Blu-ray and Ultra HD, so that's that's what I do four days a week, um, and then I kind of I basically aim to write as much as possible on the other three days, um, depending on how kind of exhausted I am after the a week at the coalface. Um, I actually <laughs> used to juggle three hats because until a couple of years ago, I also did two days a week in uh, in, in a library. Um, which which I got a, a book, The Library Murders, out of. So, you know, it was worthwhile. Um, yeah. I, I, I walked away from that a couple of years ago to kind of just basically try and give myself a bit more... Um, you, you know, not having to not having to have so many, you know, kind of, you know, kind of balls in the air, essentially. Mm. Um, I'm not convinced it's made, it's made me any more productive. Uh, I mean, I think this is something that kind of comes up quite often is, you know, no matter how many hours you have in the day, you, um, you always find a way to, you know, kind of tell yourself you need more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I mean, I basically, so far, basically, I've managed one book a year. I would dearly like to get up to two. And a part of me thinks, well, you know, I would need to be full time, you know, in order to do that because my way of writing is very, very inefficient. Um, yeah. But um, I suspect 
even if I was full time, I would still be telling myself, you know, I need this to happen or that to happen. So yeah, yeah, for the time being, I am not full time. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm a model for that because I was writing on average two books, two books a year while I was not full time. And since I've become full time, I'm now writing two books a year. Uh, and I'm, I am I am a, I'm a full time procrastinator is what I, I am. But I, Robert, I, I believe the opposite. Actually, David, you refer to yourself as a world class procrastinator. <laughs> world class procrastinator. That's what I am. Yeah. Average writer, world class procrastinator. That's me. Which brings us on to question two, Robert, um, gets a bit more specific about the, about the biz. Um, are you wide or exclusive to Amazon? I think this is going to be a kind of common refrain because I think you both said very much the same in your own answers. I am exclusive, but don't feel great about that. I um, yeah. I um, when I first my my um, first novel was published by uh, by an actual publisher, and then I. Um, published everything subsequent to that um, myself. When I um, published Cruel Summer, which was my second mm. book, I had this kind of great sort of well-intentioned, oh, I don't want to exclude anyone um, attitude. So I um, I published that on Amazon and on iBooks. And I think I got around to publishing it on one other platform. And I very quickly regretted it because... I um, I shut myself off from you know Kindle Unlimited, but didn't sell a single copy on any other platform. So um, yeah. I might as well have been exclusive. And then once that kind of you know once once I realised that I did go exclusive. And in any given month, I would say roughly half of my revenue comes from Kindle Unlimited. So that would be um you know, for me that would be a massive thing to to give up. Um, yeah, uh, and I'm just I have, I think especially because my my biggest market is is the UK, um, where I think um, Amazon has something like a I don't know what the specific number is, but it's you know kind of it's not 100, percent but it's you know it's kind of close to 100 percent market share in terms of um, yeah. in certain terms of e-readers. So I just don't think it's worth my while to go wide but i do feel a slight kind of pang of you know kind of not initially guilt but a bit of sympathy for anyone who's not on a kindle and wants to read these books but yes you know they're just not available so not my preferred situation but it's the kind of the pragmatic situation i think it is a pragmatic situation. I do get an awful lot of messages saying, oh, why can't I get this on Kobo or why can't I get this on Apple Books? And I, I, I write a sympathetic response, but I don't say, well, because I, 40% of my earnings is coming from KU. And I just don't want to give that up. Um, but yeah, I, I totally understand. And, and it seems as if you're, you're certainly in the same ballpark as myself and Robert on that issue. Yeah, 100%. I'm in the same, same boat as you. I think yeah. all, uh, the majority of people are. Um, question three, <clears throat> name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Hmm. That's actually quite a tricky one. I'm not sure if this really counts as a service so much, but I um, use a piece of software called Affinity Publisher for laying okay. out the the paperback versions of my books yeah. ah, i'm okay. one of these strange people that actually quite enjoys the typesetting 
side of things like you yeah. know, the sort of you know the kind of adjusting the lines so you don't have any kind of widows and orphans and then also kind of trying to make sure that it doesn't the text isn't too spaced out or too jam-packed together i kind of quite enjoy the that puzzle piece side of things it's a nice sort of change of pace once the text is actually finished and the formatting of your yeah, book essentially yeah, yeah yeah, and um, if you for those that aren't aware of it, it's basically I mean, like Adobe InDesign is basically the kind of the standard, the industry standard for you know, kind of sort of the, the major publishers lay, when it, when they lay out their books. Um, but Adobe InDesign is ridiculously expensive and has a, a really steep monthly fee attached to it. Affinity Publisher basically gives you 99% of it, of, of the features, but it's like a one-off charge of like, I think it was 40 quid when I bought it. Oh, wow. Um, and I've laid out all my books in it and I think it's really great. And I mean, I know you can, you can kind of do, you can sort of automate it with things like Vellum and I'm sure there are other programs as well, but for those of us that are weirdos who kind of quite like to have that sort of granular control, I think it's really great. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. laid out my, the, the, the very first time I laid out a book by myself, I did it in bloody Microsoft Word. And, um, yeah. you know, I was still doing that kind of, you know, kind of line by line adjustment to try and make sure the text didn't look just really wonky. And it took, yeah. me, it took me weeks, literally weeks, um, because I would, yeah, you know, I would, I would kind of do it, and then I would order up a, a proof copy from Amazon and be like, "No, I have to start again. This looks terrible." But, uh, <laughs> Infinity Publisher, really good, brilliant. Okay, well that that leads us on to book four. So you you've written your book, you have formatted it brilliantly with Infinity Publisher, and um, it's out there now. How do you question four? How do you market your books, Michael? Um, the the honest answer is probably not nearly enough. It's the size of the, <laughs> it's the size of the of the of the gig that I, I that comes the least naturally to me because I'm I've never been you know very good at sort of either blowing my own trumpet or you know kind of you know I I was always the person um, you know who was sort of you know when at school when you were told to sort of pair you know kind of pair off and do group work I would always be the one who was last and would be sent to you know join another group by the teacher because I'm just absolutely useless when it comes to actually approaching people so yeah. um, not enough is the honest answer but I mean some of the things I do um, I, I apply for bookbub daily deals as often as I can and I've actually wow. had in the last year um, I had a couple I got accepted for a couple that you know the the results speak for themselves it was just just fantastic in terms of right. the the number of copies that I managed to shift um I, I do Facebook ads which I've had some kind of sort of mixed results with generally speaking I I at least make back the money that I've spent but it's often not much more than that and I kind of I I sometimes think that I'm I'm slightly shooting myself in the foot because the the books that I write are um, yeah. So someone like like Mark Dawson who you know has you know had you know, kind of phenomenal success with with, with you know, with Facebook ads can obviously point to an author like Lee Child and say you know if you like Lee Child's books my books are for you as well. Whereas I kind yeah. of feel like um, my books have a you kind of inhabit a slightly you kind of a bit, bit more of a niche. In the, I mean, when I always kind of describe my books as a kind of a bit of 
um, Denise Miner um, and a bit of Stieg Larsson and um, yeah. a little bit of Enid Blyton as well because I read all I read all those books when I was a kid and um, you know yeah. I kind of that's probably where I got the sort of the amateur detective bug from but. I've not yet found the kind of the magic formula to market those on Facebook, but I keep plugging away. Yeah. Well, keep plugging away. And and listen, when this episode goes out, Michael, on Monday, have a good listen to it because Rob goes into some detail about how people like you who are, you know, advertising on Facebook, but not necessarily seeing profit, how you can see profit. So, so I'd say if you're making breaking even on one book, from your Facebook marketing, what Robert has to say is quite interesting. Also, as a little tip, don't don't be put off by the fact that you're not like a Lee child. Oh, no. um, advertise to advertise to people who do like crime thrillers, and 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 they will come, especially because your package is so attractive. One thing um, I would just say before we go we, on, the big success that I have had is making my first book perma free. Um, Oh, right. I mean, that's kind of almost, to some extent, that's almost passive marketing, I think, because it's very much free yeah. to do Amazon. And it's also, I give it away as part of my, for signing up to my mailing list. And then I also have it on a platform called Prolific Works, which is another, um, for those who've not encountered it, is, is another of these kind of platforms for, you know, kind of giving away a perma-free novel. And they also quite often have group promotions, which I always, you know, kind of anytime one comes up that's in my genre, I submit to that. So I've had, um, I, I think I've, ah, I've managed to drive quite a bit of traffic through that. So do you see In the Silence, which is your opening book, that's a lost leader in a sense, yeah. everything anyone that reads true after that is is that that's where your profit yeah, comes yeah. from yeah interesting so what's question six rob um question five it is you're right sorry I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself done this, david for an, i can't count to seven for an episode where we spoke a lot about numbers you've let the team yes. down here. <laughs> it's uh, all about numbers so uh question five uh, michael is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset um, one thing I wish I knew from the outset, I think probably that um, getting a publishing deal does not automatically equate to overnight success and sort of the end of the struggle. Um, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, my first book was published by uh, an independent publisher, but nonetheless a publisher. And at the time I thought, that's fantastic. I've got it made now. You know, I've, I've got my foot in the door. Um, We've been yeah, there. I yeah. wasn't necessarily expecting to make a ton of money, but what I kind of did allow myself to believe was that, you know, oh, they'll they'll just take my, my next book and publish it. And, um, you know, I've kind of, I've sort of got my, you know, I, like, I, like I say, I've got my foot in the door. So I've kind of, I've kind of won that battle. Um, so I, I won't need to prove myself again. So I, what I did was I wrote a direct sequel to In the Silence, um, which I was really proud of, which I thought was a better book than In the Silence, and sent it off to them and got a rejection letter back. And it wasn't even a, oh, you know, wow. kind of have another go at this. It was like, no, we don't want to publish this. Um, so that was kind of like my whole sort of strategy was dead in the water because I had this situation where my first book was with a publisher. I had self-published 
I was essentially stuck with self-publishing. Well, I, you know, I say stuck, I make it sound like a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, I was, you know, I, I, my first book was with a publisher, but every subsequent book in that series, I already knew I wanted it to be a long-running series. I was going to be uh, publishing independently. So that yeah. was not a great position to be in. Uh, and I, I kind of really knocked my confidence, I think. not. And it's like, I, I don't hold any grudge against the publisher. They they know what sells for them and they clearly decided that this didn't. Um, and so it wouldn't, it wouldn't work out for them. And, you know, I've subsequently gone on to get the rights to In the Silence back myself so I can you know, kind of right. consistent branding, do it as a perma-free all that kind of good stuff and um, it's, it's worked out for me, but I kind of wish I'd sort of known going in how things were going to turn out because I might have approached things quite differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fascinating answer because I could answer that myself. I feel, I genuinely feel like I wasted about 10 months, almost a year of having my first book with a, 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 this, I think probably the same publishing company as you, Michael. Um, I just wish if I had a go, if I could go back in time, I could make tens of thousands from that from that book in those ten months. I I know I could. I I've I've done it since, and it it, it feels like a waste of the time for me having that book with that publisher because they marketed for they marketed that book for a month, and when it didn't really work out super profitable for them, they were done with it, and that book was just sitting on the shelf. Um, but we've all been the three of us. The three of us have been yeah. there. One thing I will say to their credit, though, is it was them that submitted it to Bloody Scotland. So you know, kind of forever grateful oh, right. for that. You you got that medal yeah. then for, for, yeah, from them. Great. Okay, well, it's definitely question six now, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm counting right now. Michael, what's the biggest frustration for you as an indie author? I think we kind of covered this before. It's probably it's going to be the promotion side. It's the kind of yeah. it's the kind of having to do that legwork. And I know that you know whether you're you know whether you're an independent author or published by one of the big is it the big five or the big four these days. You still have to do that legwork yeah. because you know that there is that expectation that you know kind of authors will be out there you know blowing their own trumpet, but it's. It's like it's yeah. something that doesn't come naturally to me, and I kind of, mm. I still feel like I don't quite know what I'm doing. And there's a part of me that is like, you know, if I could persuade someone to just sort of take that responsibility off my hands and do it for me, I would be, you know, I'd be you more are. than happy to to share in the proceeds. But um, yeah, it's 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 the promotion side of things, but also I think just the kind of that you know that feeling of there never being enough hours in the day. Like I, I, as I mentioned before, I, I I'm currently managing one book a year, um, and would dearly love it to be more than that. Um, but yeah. I just I think it's a kind of it's a combination of having to juggle multiple balls and just having a way of writing that. I mean, my my kind of my writing process is basically spend ages working on a really detailed outline, then write a first draft and realize the outline didn't work and then start again <laughs> for the second draft. And I've been through that with, yeah. I think, all but one of my books. Um, so yeah. I think I'm just, it's, I think I just have to kind of sort of accept that that's my way of working, but, you know, kind of try and find it. Yeah, I, I can, 
I consider myself meticulous, but you, you're on a different level to me. I don't know. We, we've spoken about this as you were going through redrafts and, and re-sculpturing the, the plots of your books. But I would also say to you, Michael, to take this opportunity, you should you need to put yourself out there. You need to go, this is the great reviews I've had. My books are brilliant. Buy them and don't be afraid. Become, it's silly saying to an introvert to become an extrovert. It's, it's sort of a pointless bit of um, advice. But your books are so good that you need to be putting them out there more often. Um, I, 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 I'll sweep on to question seven now, isn't it? Oh, it's Rob, actually, question seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the final question. The final <laughs> question. Question seven. Um Michael, what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Ooh. Well, I'm, I feel like I'm the, the the furthest from a you know a grizzled veteran there is, but I I guess if someone was just starting out and I had to give them advice, it would be to say, just do it. Like, don't wait for the ideal circumstances to come along because the odds are they won't you 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 so often hear people say you know i like i've got a book in me i if if i just had more time or you know maybe once i've retired or you know things like like that and it's like you know i don't think the ideal time will ever come along i don't think you're ever going to be in this magical situation where you've got the perfect amount of time on your hands to you know kind of dedicate to it just Find a way to, you know, kind of even if you're just writing 500 words a day or less than that, you know, 250 words a day, it still adds up. And you, you know, at the end of, you know, however many months it is, you'll have a completed manuscript. So, yeah, I would just say start, get started now, you know, don't wait, don't yeah. wait, for, don't wait for all the, you know, for the stars to align. Yeah, but your man after my own heart, I'm, I, I trumpet that to a lot of people is you just, yeah. just, there's a million excuses to make but you just you have to start at some point yeah so i fully agree but um that that wraps up the seven questions you've survived <laughs> i hope you've enjoyed it yeah i did i enjoyed my time in the hot seat <laughs> brilliant um so so um yes uh so michael if our listeners do want to uh find your books or find you on social media where is the best place they can they can track you down uh probably my website which is mrmckenzieauthor.com and that's mckenzie with uh, mac rather than mc so mrmckenzieauthor.com uh i'm on facebook uh facebook.com slash mrmckenzieauthor and then just to be difficult i'm on twitter for as long as it survives at twitter.com slash <laughs> land of whimsy, land of whimsy. Do ask. Land of whimsy. I won't ask. Brilliant. <laughs> M.R. McKenzie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Um, I found that absolutely fascinating, David. How about you? Yeah, really interesting. Um, the most interesting for me is how sort of introverted michael is about his yeah his works when they're so good and 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 and, and in this game well here's the thing on michael when i was going to go independent publishing i wasn't going to put it in my own name because i didn't want to you know have to gloat about myself and have to try and sell myself but it's actually mm. the best thing i did my wife convinced me to do it because it, it allows me to liaise with my readers through social media and my emails and and people feel as if I'm, I'm I'm approachable, and that helps me sell an awful lot of books. So you do, you have to put yourself out there, really, because 
it, the clues in the name you're independent and it, it sort of all falls on you i really wish michael would 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 commit to a, a bit more marketing and get his books out there because they're really impressive yeah i i think so as well and he's, he comes with such a, a a charming man as well um yeah. but i think it, it's 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 good as well because i think that he was obviously really chatty and you, you wouldn't think he was an introvert by the way he was like chatting with us but yeah. i think it's quite nice you know that our listeners can you know who who might be wanting to become authors or whatever they are in their author journey that you know everyone who's been on is so chatty and you know bubbly and you and i yeah. don't shut up that yeah. actually it's quite <laughs> nice when uh it's quite nice when an author comes on and actually he's very open and honest about how uncomfortable they are with that side of things because i'll yeah. probably speak to a number of people so i i i commend michael for his honesty and Absolutely. i agree with you i think he he should give himself a good bit of backing because his books are fantastic yeah his books could make could be making him thousands a month they're, they're that good and and and, and I, I fear that they, they might be sitting alone without much publicity going on so i, I am i'm gonna urge him i'm gonna get on to him after we we wrap this podcast up and urge him to, to get marketing um that brings us to the end robert another another mm-hmm. episode over another one's done Another one bites the dust, David. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> I'm really bad at my maths, but that's episode six, right? Yes. In is. the can. In the can. Well, yeah, listen, thanks to, to M.R. McKenzie. Do check out his books on Amazon. Thanks also to Julie Grundy, who posed the mailbag question this month. Uh, please feel free to ask any questions that are bothering you about the your indie author business on our Facebook page to In the Authors. Robert, what if our listeners wanted to reach out to you personally uh they can find me on facebook as robert enright or on instagram at rob enright author how about your sweet sweet self david my sweet self i'm david b lines anywhere but my, my official website is theopenauthor.com so do check that out for some information on how you can um be more profitable at your indie author business robert what, what have you got planned over the next seven days buddy um, I'm off to a wedding this weekend, which oh, would be nice. Yes. I am You're a groom- groomsman. I am a groomsman. I am nice. a groomsman, not a man being groomed. Um, <laughs> and then I've got my my proofing to do, get my books ready, get ready to go and just do a bit more writing. Um, being realistic with myself, I might not hit a full book this NaNoWriMo, but I'll definitely get past the, I'll definitely get my 50,000 word. Oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge advance, massive um, advance. Yes. So that'll be it for me. How about you, David? Well, yeah, I'm just waiting on this book back from the editor and I will, I will go through her notes then and, and, and um, give it an, a, a quick redraft over the next week before it goes out to the first proof reader. And then I am setting myself up for lunch Fantastic. looking forward to it okay well thanks very much you've been listening to two in the authors see you next week bye bye dun, 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 dun.